And ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Thank you all so much for joining us right here. We are the Voice of Reason podcast. My name is Sean Phillips, and as always, I am joined alongside my two co-hosts, the one and only Andrew Van Beber and Travis Kirkendall. Gentlemen, how are you two doing this evening? Fantastic. I've just got my fresh reaming done by the federal government, and I'm a good citizen, and I've filed my taxes. Hey, there we you, go. Uh, there we go. Did you make sure to report your stolen property as well? <laughs> my stolen property and everything that I may have, every car that I have stolen and, you know, didn't return and, you know. Way to be a great law-abiding citizen. That's what I like to see in here. Outstanding. Uh, so, uh, Travis, what happened today in your high-flying adventures? Oh, man, what a day. Uh, been up since 1 a.m. Uh, I lost my phone on a phone tower today. Uh, <laughs> trying to multitask, oh talking to somebody gosh. on the phone. And, uh, it's, I, was, I didn't even have my hand on the phone. I was sitting there you know, doing the whole shoulder thing while trying to carry a 60-pound antenna across the tower. It, it didn't oh work out very gosh. well. And uh, the phone fell 150 feet, and I'm waiting on insurance to send me a new one. So that's been my day. Have they given you a time frame for when they'll uh, actually be giving you that phone? I, I, I should get it either tomorrow night or Wednesday. So they're over. Oh, so they're overnighting it to you then. Yeah, overnighting it. So fingers crossed. It, it's tomorrow night, but I don't think it's going to get here till Wednesday. But yeah, that's what it is. And now, does your the thing is, does your wife know what happened? Does your wife know what happened? Oh yeah, she knows. Um, so she, she tries to call you. I wonder if he's cheating on me. He's not answering. Oh, his she phone. was. Well, she was. She thought something was wrong. I mean, you know, I work a dangerous job, and she yeah. didn't hear from me after about five o'clock. She gets kind of worried, and I was still. So my phone, you can still see like just a little bit on the bottom of the screen. The rest is black, so I can see like a call pop up, and I can. You could just make out like the green to swipe over, and her dad called me. And I explained everything to him, and when I got home, I opened up my tablet and I FaceTimed her and worked it all off. Saw yeah, your face, a, so that's yeah, all that's all she needed. Like that's day. all she needed. That is all she needed. Yeah. What about it's, you? It's what, what about you, Sean? Today has also been a bit crazy. It was uh President's Day, so I had um a couple of people off. You know, with with the state of the world that it's in today, you know, as a recruiter um for the Missouri Army National Guard it's definitely kind of been a bit of a struggle to try to really, you know, get a lot of people engaged and interested and in doing the military thing. But I can say that this past week, this past Monday through Monday, has been since I've started recruiting. Um, I would say in the between, you know, tomorrow and the next two and a half weeks, weeks, I've got four young men that are going down to MEPS uh, with the intent to enlist right now. I mean, it has been a lot of work. There's so much paperwork and, and different, you know, little things that go into making enlistments happen. But with all the craziness, um, it's actually been good to see the motivation that has come from these young men. I'm excited for them, um, for their careers and for what they're trying to pursue. And so, yes, yeah, it's been hectic. I, I think I was at, you know, I had, uh, my daughter with me at the office all day today getting you know trying to do all this paperwork and she was you know good she was was able to help out she's in that stage now where she 
is very clear. Like she 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 knows what a penis is and she knows what a vagina <laughs> is. And as a three year old, she yes! has to remind everybody that she knows that. Yes. And so I'm I'm yeah. sitting down with this kid. You know, it's a seventeen year old high or eighteen year old high school kid that's enlisting, oh and, and his God. dad is there finishing paperwork. And in just the middle of them signing papers, my daughter just looks at them and says. My daddy has a penis and I have a vagina. <laughs> oh my god. And I, I was kind of laughing and I was yes. like, yeah, yeah. At least at least at least you know. At least you know. And so that's that was <laughs> that made such a boring day. It you know provided a day's worth of humor all in one. So it was it was good. It was good. Oh my god. And I wrote a joke today for like the first time in a long time which which I was pretty excited about. So other it was a pretty good day. Oh pretty my day. gosh. That to me that that's like the sins that you have committed have been brought back upon you yeah, a thousandfold. John, I got one question for you with the uh, recruiting, yeah. um, the recent recruits that you've had, what you kind of mentioned with the state of the world, have they mostly been combat MOS or support? Like what's been the, or is it kind of a, a mix? big, big mix? Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely got a couple of support, uh, MOS is a couple that are uh, combat, you know, um, 32, 31 Bravos, military police. Of course. Um, the bias is there, you know, since, yeah. you know, yeah. we're, we're the best, <laughs> we get it done. Um, but then also we've uh, combat engineer, but then a, a logistics guy as well. So it's, it's definitely, um, you know, I've, I've got a couple people different going all, you know, in, in, in different directions. I've got, you know, recently I actually put two in um, to be helicopter repair specialist um, to work with helicopters. Um, so I had another young man, what did he, what did he do? What did he go in as? He took a bonus for, I think, petroleum supply specialist. So he's going to get some extra cash and, and he wanted to work with helicopters. So he's going to work, be the, subject matter on the fuel lines and refueling uh, Blackhawks and Apaches and stuff like that. Nice. So he's really excited. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely um, we've the, the people that I've been working with and thankfully, and this is kind of, you know, like it's not the golden era of recruiting anymore where, you know, people are just walking off the streets, coming to a recruiter's office and being like, Hey, this is what I want to do. There's a lot of conversations that have to happen first. And the good thing is, is, of I would say the last five that I've enlisted and these four have all been individuals that came to me first that you know whether it was at a lunch visit or I had visited their classroom they had left a you know a note or something said hey I'd like to talk to you again I'd like to sit down and actually meet with you and so that's I, I really you know with with all the rap that you know a lot of high schoolers get and stuff these young people are doing really well. I would like to give a special shout out to a Clopton alum for those of our listeners that um, graduated from Clopton. Um, it's a it's a bit of a sad tale, but also a good tale. Um, uh, Wesley Dameron, who if you uh, from Clopton, uh, just celebrated a birthday. He is officially graduated from basic training. He's officially a soldier, um, but unfortunately. Day one of AIT, he might have torn his ACL. Oh, no. Like a freak accident oh, thing. Oh, no. But he's in super good spirits. 
Wesley has been one of my favorite recruits that I've gotten to work with and get in the guard, super motivated young man that went above and beyond everything I asked that, Hey, said, Hey, this is what we need to get you there. Um, he got it done like that. And so he's, he is going to have a very successful career ahead of him. I'm, I'm really excited for him. That's great. A little bit of a bump in the road, but other than that, he'll, yeah, he'll um, he's, he's going to do, he's going to do good things. So Sean, if I, if I could, I want to point out a few new things. If so, those of you who are watching us live tonight on Facebook live, you will know, notice uh, kind of a new format that we are using here tonight on the live screen. Uh, so this is kind of a different home screen for us. You see our voice of reason podcast thing there in the background. Um, you also will see two new added, added things. We decided to add our chat window so you can see, and if you want to add something to our uh, podcast, you can see that you're, as you add anything, I kind of just did uh, one on one of our feed there. I just I added something there so you can see that. Also at the bottom, uh, for those of you who are listening to us, will be listening um, to us on your way to work tomorrow. We now have the Voice of Reason comment line. It is, and for those of you who are listening on the podcast, or we'll, re we'll repeat the number a few times tonight. It is 636-344-8097. If you dial that, uh, you, you'll hear my lovely voice on there. And any comments that you want to use or anything that you want to ask us about, either during the week or during the show or any kind of comments that you have to share, leave the message on there. Um, if you want, you can, uh, we're going to get it to where you know, later on, probably not this week, I, but uh, next week we'll have it. If we, you know, when, once we get a message, Hey, it'll pop up on my screen and we can play it. Um, if you don't want us to, if you don't want us to use your voice or anything on the air, just say so at the end and we'll just use the comment and we'll go from there. But a lot of new cool things that we, um, Sean and Travis and I sat down for about an hour, uh, yesterday and we are talking about new things, and we will be throwing a lot of new things at you as we come. And we have—I'm uh, really stoked at what we have uh, coming up over the next, you know, over the next couple of weeks and stuff like that. So, definitely some cool stuff uh, planned. Yeah, 100% agreed. Um, as as we've talked before, and for the listeners of our show that have listened regularly. Again, we thank you so much for listening to us, um, but we are we are doing a couple of things, uh, good things uh, to move forward with the show to continue to bring you guys the best kind of content possible. Uh, also, for those of you that don't necessarily listen to us live all the time on Facebook, uh, a bunch of different ways for you guys to get involved and to kind of, you know, follow along with what we're going to be talking about in upcoming shows, a better idea of what kind of guests that we're going to have, and definitely just a way for you guys to be as big of a part of the voice of reason as we are, even if you're not choosing to listen live when we go live on Facebook. Um, we're also going to have more opportunities, more windows for you guys to actually catch the views and catch the videos if you want to watch us actually talk, if you don't just listen to us on Spotify throughout the week. So definitely plan to see a lot more of our content in your feeds, uh, and, and we hope by, by doing that, you guys also engage with us uh, more and more just so we can get everyone's insight, as that was, you know, the whole point of this show was to get you guys involved Um and, and discuss everything that's going on. And, and that kind of leads us to one of the first things that we're going to kind of talk about. I know that recently, if you guys are listening to us live here on Monday, there has been some pretty big breaking news as the um, <laughs> Russia has decided to 
slowly but surely kind of make its way into the Ukraine and a couple of eastern, if I'm not mistaken, Ukrainian regions where there's a little bit of Russian influence still in those nations. They've what been declared independent states of Russia, if I'm not mistaken, by the Russian government. Yes, they have <laughs> the yeah the it you know what. Vladimir Putin is, and, and Travis and I were talking about this before the show. I talked about this with my wife today on our way over to Columbia. This, for those who are students of history or did anything in my class, you remember when we talked about this, and if you're any kind of student of history, you know about this. This is eerily similar to the same power play that Adolf Hitler did in, I mean, I'm not calling Putin Hitler, but he has very Hitler-esque moves going on here in declaring Hitler did back in 1939. There were two, there were two uh, German lands that were part of Czechoslovakia and uh, part of, I want to, I don't know why I want to say it, but I think the other part was of Yugoslavia. It was the Rhineland and the Sudetenland, both of which were occupied by German people. And he made uh, Hitler made this. Those people want to be with us. They wish to be part of our. And so I'm going to annex those into Germany, and the rest of the world stood by and watched aimlessly and let it happen. And so, like you guys said, as of today, um, as of today, what was I guess that that news conference happened at about what noon, one o'clock our time. And so he, he, uh, Vladimir Putin declared these two regions of the Ukraine. And I don't, I'll get the names of those regions here in a second, but these two regions, which were basically, they were break, they were, they are occupied by Russian separatists. And these people are saying, Hey, you know, we want to be a part of Russia. And he's, he's recognized, he's recognized these guys as two, that this is legitimate that this is a legitimate claim. So r- right now, I mean, this morning, and I sent this to the boy, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch this this morning or not, but it was on the table this morning before Putin made this news conference, there was on the table a proposed talk summit between Biden and Putin, and that was being uh, arranged by President Marcon of France, and I'm sure that that has since been scrapped the, the, oh, by the way, the name of the two republics are the Donetsk People's Republic and the Luhansk People's Republic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at that here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Travis, what's what's your insight? I know that you've kind of been following this um, a little bit here and there, especially with some of the pages that we follow and we, and, and you share with me. What are what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a this is a topic I've been paying really close attention to. Um, some people sent some stuff my way today and some of the pages we follow showed it as well. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of videos that people are posting, like claiming that, you know, they're welcoming the Russians and that they want to be a part of Russia and they're like celebrating in the streets. And there were some other like propaganda style videos I saw as well. Uh, our friend Hank sent this one earlier, but you look at these videos and I'm sorry. They they look absolutely staged. staged. Like it does not look at all like a true celebration. There was one that showed these people dancing in the street, and it looked like a group of maybe like 15 people, and they're just like moving and shaking the camera around. It looked like it's this giant celebration. 
And this is just propaganda. This is political theater. This is psyops, uh, psychological warfare, for those who don't know the term. And it's, it's a common thing. And we you know Andy and I talked earlier, like he's mentioned about what happened with Germany. And this is like straight out of the playbook. Nazi Germany playbook. It right. really is. It's eerily familiar from the history books. And, you know, I, there was supposed to be that summit. Uh, I, it looks like it might be off the table now yeah. or at least delayed, whatever that's supposed to mean. Uh, I saw that um, I'd have to look it up. Maybe one of you guys can. Uh, the Biden administration announced sanctions immediately. I yes, believe. they did. Um, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't, I don't have the full list of like it, what they were doing. It, the, the sanctions, basically what the sanctions are, it is prohibiting any American company from doing any business or any investments in those two breakaway regions and anybody, any American business that does so will be penalized. So it's basically peeing in the wind is all it is. But, I mean, it is whatever you want to call it. It is somewhat of a, I, 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 I really don't know what, what it's going to accomplish or what it's going to do for. Well, know. one of the things that I'm seeing, at least like in, in reading some of the information, I'll be 100% honest with you. This is my own fault. I'm not. Uh, well-versed in the amount of trade that the United States directly does with Russia. Uh, it seems that one of the big hits that um, our European allies might take will be, there might be some spikes in looks like energy, uh, you know, resources, apparently uh, some of our NATO allies in Europe um, receive uh, electricity from Russia and it looks like wheat, uh, is a pretty big thing that they receive from there as well. So they could be in the next couple of weeks, months anticipate, because I'd assume that it looks like from what I'm seeing out of Europe, um, looking like they're also going to enact on the same kind of sanctions. So anticipate seeing price spikes in certain, you know, categories in which they're, you know, getting trade from, I don't know, Aside from you know vodka, what kind of big old export Russia really has? And well, it's not. Yeah, and, it's uh, not like they're we're <laughs> buying Russian cars and Russian televisions and Russian you know electronics. But this is, I mean, to me, this is a widely destable. I I I I understand as I've been following this and and I've been looking at this that a lot of the stink is over. Well, it's mainly it is over you know, Ukraine's desire to join NATO. And, you know, I really don't know. I mean, NATO is a Cold War. I don't want to call it a relic, but it is a relic of the Cold War because it was created to to counter the communist effect. And by name, there's only, you know, China, North Korea, and Cuba, and Vietnam are the only communist countries left in the world. Now, by practice... You look at what Russia is doing and the way Vladimir Putin has pretty much run Russia is communist in nature. Um, and his his worry is, you know, this you you basically Ukraine can't join NATO. And so his com and these and I don't and they, they're under a ceasefire from since 2014. They've been under this key, what's called the Kiev, I believe the Kiev Accords or the I forgot what Accords. I think I believe they were called the Kiev Accords were to set up, you know, this peaceful that 
Russia would recognize, Russia and Ukraine both would recognize these, what was the Crimean state, which had officially broken away. And so these two new republics he's recognizing, I mean, it's, it's, they lost, and they lost the Ukraine. The Russians lost the Ukraine. And, and part of the speech that, that Putin made today, he, he actually, he mentioned, you know, you know, the Ukrainians are, and again, Travis, it's the same rhetoric. The Ukrainians are Russian. They are Russian in nature. They are, you know, and all this other stuff. And it's very frightening to see. It's like nobody read, it's no, like nobody read history books. We played the appeasement game in World War II. And, and I mean, Vladimir Putin made a statement last week and he, he rattled, he threw out the whole, he threw out the nuclear card, which that, that statement threatened, you know, frightened me because he said, you know, he said, we have, we have nuclear weapons too, and we may even be more developed than everybody else. And I mean, that's, if that's not a, a, a peeing contest, I don't know what is. I mean, he's just, he's whipping it out there and showing his yang to everybody to see. And look, I'm not afraid to, you know, smack you upside the head with this. And that is a widely, I mean, nuclear weapons were designed as a deterrent. They were not, and this is my own political philosophy, I mean, but it, it's also been, you know, I've read this too, that nuclear weapons, you don't use that as a threat to say, we're, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm ready to come at you with nuclear weapons. That's, I mean, that's, that's a guy who says he's got nothing to lose. No, it's a... Uh... And he even said it in his speech. He's like, no one will win. He's like, there will be no winners if it goes to that. Yeah, he so, did. Yeah, right. You're right. He did say that. Yes. And no, he's Putin's definitely laying the wood down right now. And it's it is frightening to see it. And one one interesting point I'd like to add with, you know, the U.S. responded with sanctions, something that Russia has done recently over the past few years. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I've heard this from a bunch of financial channels I follow. Russia has lowered the amount of U.S. dollars they keep on their balance sheet significantly. Like they don't have almost, compared to where they were 10 years ago, the amount of U.S. dollars they keep on their balance sheet is very, very small. And they've been accumulating a lot of gold and precious metals. Hmm. So with that being said, I'm again, I'm not a financial expert or nothing like that, but I can't see how much these sanctions are truly going to affect Russia. It's a, it, it's a slap, you, it's a slap on the wrist. Yeah. I mean, it, we did. And again, to go back to repeat history again, Travis, um, 1931. And I actually was, I'm, we're actually, when we're in school from not missing snow days, but when we were in school last week, I was talking about this with my U S history class before the United nations, there was this weak organization that was called the league of nations and in 1931, this, of course, this was, uh, so this was 11 years after the conclusion of World War I. 1931, Japan invades and takes Manchuria. And the League of Nations just gave a, you know, bad, bad, bad Japan. And they imposed sanctions. And we had cut off at that time we had we we had cut off some supplies to japan which you know 
kind of push them towards more in a more warlike attitude. So to me, sanctions, you either, I don't know. I think you either, you either have to, you really, you, you, you either have to, you put up or shut up, you know, and I, this is, this is to me a rapidly, I mean, this is something that we have to watch on the daily. And again, we'll be posting this stuff. We'll be, we'll be posting links on, on the, uh, on the page here, uh, within this week and everything, but, you know, keep an eye on your news sources and, um, that's, and this is just a side note. I'll just chase a rabbit just for a second, fellas. So through this whole thing, and we've talked about this before, be careful who you choose your news sources from on this, because there are definitely different spins on this. Um, my wife and I have pretty much defoxed and DCNN'd ourselves and our devices and we have pretty much locked on with two sources, AP, AP Net News Network and the uh, BBC. AP is the Associated Press. They've been around, geez, since the beginning of radio. Uh, they were one of the first United, uh, and I, my wife said the other night, she said, man, this is kind of boring reading AP. I was like, what do you mean boring? And she said, there's no spin on it. It just it's just the news. And I was like, well, there you go. No, that's, that's a really good point. Um, it's like any of the issues we talk about, you know, we always encourage people and our listeners to do your own research. You know, don't just take what you see on the TV as truth, you know, really read into it, read from multiple sources, check your sources. It's, it's the same thing. You're, I would, you're I would love to see what the Russian, what Russian, what the Russian news. I don't know what their back in the day during during the Cold War that their newspaper was called Pravda, which meant the truth. And of course, after the fall, of the, the Pravda was Pravda ran up until I think nineteen eighty. So I mean, it was it was started under Stalin and it ran it well into the eighties. And then it after the fall of the Soviet Union, it pretty much just went. You know, that was it. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, Pravda, I mean, it... Pravda, the truth. Talked about the the joys of communism and the evil of capitalism. So we've got so. Evil. Go ahead. I would like to get your guys' insight on this, just because one of the big things that I've seen um, today, and I've had I muted a lot of different pages on Twitter, just because there were, it was more people just complaining as opposed to like actually having the conversation. But one of the big things that I saw was the amount of people that were debating on whether or not this would, this particular situation, if this would have happened, if Donald Trump was still president. I would love to start with you, Travis, get your opinion, and then and then get these. I just asked one of our listeners says no. Um, if uh, Colby, if you're listening still, if you'd like to type out why you think that, that'd be awesome. Um, make sure to you can either. Type it right there on Facebook, Twitch, or you can use the VOR Voice of Reason comment line at 636-344-8097. Please give us your your thoughts as to what you, uh, when you said no, as to why you think that. If you guys are listening on Spotify a few days later from now, please make sure uh, you guys can always use the Voice of Reason comment line at 636-344-8097. So, uh, Travis, I'll start with you. what do you think? Do you think that if Donald Trump was still in uh, still in office, do you think that 
the reaction that we've seen from the Russian government is the same, you know, that we would have seen. And then also, if this would have been the move from Russia, if Russia still would have done this, what do you think the difference between how the Trump administration would have attacked this versus the Biden administration? So I'll go back. I, I said this many episodes ago, and we were talking about uh, the China influence going on in the Pacific. And the Chinese government came out and said that they didn't take Trump literally, but they took Trump seriously. And I think, I think Russia took Trump seriously as well. I don't yeah. find it coincidence that these moves are happening when we have a new administration. This is Ukraine, the Ukrainian issue. This has gone on for a few years now. Sean, you were even over there back when it was what year was it again? You were deployed to uh, 2016. Uh, yeah. 2016. And that's the thing is like people are, yeah, are acting like this is brand new when it's, Mm-mm. it's not. No. They have already invaded the Ukraine before. No. So I, I, I find it interesting that we have a new administration now and these moves are happening. And going back to the, what the Chinese said about President Trump and, in my opinion, no, I don't think – I think he would have took a much firmer stand on this by far. And I truly do believe that if Russia still would have continued to do this with Trump as president, I think we would have seen a significantly more military response from the U.S. I think there would have been way more tr- troops massing and probably the bases there in Germany. Uh, I think we would have sent probably soldiers in Poland. I don't know if we would have, I don't know if there would have been troops going to Ukraine exactly, but I think there would have been more of a a stance. What do we send? 7,000 soldiers? I think we're at like 7,000. Yeah, that's that's a joke. I, I just, I don't, you know, I'm not compared I've to said it before. I'm not the biggest Trump fan. However, mm-hmm. his stance on foreign policy, he was firm. Yeah, He was very firm on his foreign policy when it came to stuff like this. I don't think this would have happened. Okay. V, what about, what about you? This is, uh, I, I am not, I was, I vehemently opposed Trump, but about some of his policies, but I did agree with his foreign policy. What he did with putting North, I mean, North Korea got put in its place and he was able to sit down and talk to Kim Jong-un. He was able to maintain better trade relations, although strained trade relations with, with China. And, but there's part of me that, and this is, I'm going to delve just into the conspiracy theory side of my mind just for a little bit. What if, part of me wonders, what if there actually is a relationship under the table with Putin and Trump? What if this is a destabilizing move to try to get the current administration to look bad? I, I, I pray and hope that that is just a crazy whim, that it's just something that I am way off on, that you know we won't know until Judgment Day before we stand before God and, <laughs> and know what happened. But I, 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 I hope that that is not the case, that this is a, 
you know, Trump and Putin, you know, they, they played nice together in Trump's four years in office. And, you know, but again, that report was that report that came out yesterday that said that there absolutely was no, you know, connection between Trump and, and, and the Ukraine and Russia. I, I, I think that Trump would have, he would have made a stronger statement than what Biden would have done. But at this point, I mean, I think, I think we're pat, we're very far past shoulda, woulda, and coulda, because now, now right. is there's, I, I hope that Joe's not being tucked into bed right now. I hope that he's sitting up with his national security council, that he's sitting up with his joint chiefs and they're actively pursuing a, plan of action that will move things forward now again the next question is with where the big difference between russia and you know the islamic state when it comes to militant power do we how much you know boots on ground kind of warfare are we potentially expecting to see in your guys' opinion, or are we just kind of looking at like a Cold War II? Um, I, you know, seeing the, the interesting thing is just the sheer amount of mobilization that Russia has had is, is staggering. Like people have to understand what the, it had gotten at one point up to 120 to like 150,000 troops or something 000. like that, 150,000 soldiers. I don't think people really understand how many soldiers that is. And then on top of that, there were satellite imagery of, uh, you know, hospitals essentially being put up, tent hospitals, but hospitals nonetheless. So those kind of logistical, you know, that, that kind of logistical strategy is not necessarily just done all the time for some training exercises, okay? There was... Uh, all of these things have been planned. There's a reason. I mean, they are moving naval ships. Um, this was a, a, a very strategically planned move, and we've seen it for for weeks and months. This has built up, and so I would really hate to see the Ukraine become a battleground between Russia, potentially China, and NATO forces. But do you guys anticipate boots on ground or do you guys anticipate more of a Cold War II? Travis, what do you think? First, I think people need to realize how significant this is. This isn't like, you know, 5,000 troops get sent to squabble with some rebels or something. This was a mass gathering of 150,000 troops to invade a country. This hasn't been seen in a very long time. This is a pretty big deal. What do I anticipate? If, if we don't, I, I think it really depends on what the U.S.'s response is. If we keep doing what we did in World War II and we just keep, you know, slapping them on the wrist, eventually this is going to get ugly. And I don't think, oh, I, I think this undoubtedly becomes World War Three, without, you know, getting all ten oil hat or like doomsday or whatever i legitimately <laughs> think this is what it leads to if we don't take a firm stance on this however if we do a firm stance i do think it puts us in more of like a cold war situation where it's just kind of 
threats back and forth and a lot of talk. But personally speaking, I think I'd rather have us just bad-mouthing each other versus actually shooting at each other. So I, I think what we really need to do, the U.S. needs to draw their line in the sand. The West needs to draw their line in the sand and say this needs to stop. They cannot, we cannot allow this happening. So I'm foreign policy expert, but something needs to be done about this because it doesn't stop with Ukraine. I promise you, this does not stop with Ukraine. Go ahead, Andy. So according to Google, the Russian armed forces are, and I'll just read this direct from the page. The Russian armed forces are one of the world's largest military forces with around a million active duty personnel which is the world's fifth largest in at least 2 million reserve personnel. It is mandatory for all citizens 18 to 27 to be drafted for a year of service in the armed forces, which is common in European nations. Uh, I know the British do that, the Russians do that, the Germans do that. So this is not something that is uncommon, but when you're talking, so, you know, you've got, what, a one-tenth of your military parked in the Ukraine, that's that's a very, I mean, what, what Sean, do you have any, what, what's the, what, what are our, what are our numbers that we have as far as active military? Active? I could not tell you off the top of my head. Mm. I know, I know the state of say the U.S. Army is like, what, like 450,000? Let me, let me, yes, that, that, Sounds about right, but I don't know if that includes guard. Let me just type it up. Uh, the soldiers. Uh, so uh, let me get this stat here. Okay, so army active duty four hundred eighty-one thousand. There you go, boys. You got it. Uh, Navy active four three hundred forty-one nine ninety-six. Army National Guard three thirty-six seven zero three. Air Force active duty three twenty-nine six fourteen. So what do you got there? Uh, 400 to 700 yeah, uh, million. So about, a, about one point. So what I'm seeing on this graph, and this comes from macrotrends.net, U.S. military size, 1985 to 2022. According to this, I don't know how accurate this is, so please don't, you know, don't take this right. to heart. But it looks like we're, we currently sit at 1,379,800 United States military personnel understand what a lot of people don't, you know, might not think of uh, with that is that does not mean that's a 1,379, whatever number I just said, uh, boots on ground infantrymen ready to, you know, raise gung ho. Right. A lot of that is logistics individuals. There's, there's so many different so things I, that go into that. So, if, if, so to answer your original question, if we're, if we are to say boots on the ground, Let's say, would we be safe to say of that number? Would we would be be safe to say that we could put actively maybe four hundred thousand boots on the ground? You think would that sound like a realistic number? Eventually, yes. Okay, so in my mind, we haven't seen that kind of troop movement. I mean, we didn't even have that much troop movement during uh, Korea. Um, Maybe what World War Two? World War Two. I mean, we didn't even have that. We we didn't have that. No, we didn't have anything close to that in Vietnam. Now, over the course of the Vietnam War, Mm -hmm. we probably had somewhere between 
I would say somewhere between four and six hundred thousand on the group, but not at one time. At one sure. time, when you saw World War II, was the last time that we saw anything like this because when you look back at World War II, I mean, women were running the factories. You know, the number of yeah. men who were serving, those who could serve, did serve. You know, everybody kind of laughed. When you see that that scene in Captain America, I mean, they they weren't too picky on how, you know, the reason why my like my my father-in-law didn't get drafted because he he had flat feet. They wouldn't, you know, whatever, because <laughs> he didn't have any arch to his foot, you know. But now, I mean, uh, boots on the ground. If we if I would be surprised if we would commit twenty thousand tops. I'd be shocked. I would. I would be too. I would be too if we had if at tops. I'm, I'm seeing high end twenty thousand now. What are the British prepared to do? What are the French prepared to do? What are the Germans prepared to do? If this is a true NATO effort, then you're looking at you know you're looking at Finland, Denmark, Iceland. Uh, I got to think of the uh, so you've got uh, Austria, Belgium, Germany. I mean, how much are these guys? a multinational force, what effect are we going to have? Because when you got to think in, in, in my opinion, you know, the U S we're a bit lucky with our geographical location is we're not kind of dropped sitting there on top of one another. I mean, the, and, and you those look guys, at, yeah, you know, and those guys are, that's, that's, yeah. they've, they've got it. They've got an active dog in the fight because, you know, when I re, we talk, we've talked about this many times when we've had when we had uh, our German foreign exchange students and our Italian foreign exchange students there at Clopton. You know, they say, "Hey, you know, it, it, it may." I remember Vito Butero when he came when he came to the United States. He said, "You know, we could." He said, "It amazes me that you guys can drive twenty three hours." and still be speaking the same language. You may have different dialects. He said, but it amazed me that you, he said, and his dad worked for, his dad worked for the, the Italian national government. And he said, you know, we, we would go to the, you know, and his dad was, you know, part of these, um, were, were part of these entourages that were going to these, you know, these, these meetings, you know, and for them it was, you know, Hey, we're going to drive up to Austria. Okay. Well, that's, Eight hour drive up to Austria. Okay, drive up to Austria. You're you're all the different territories and all the different languages you're crossing through. These guys are these guys are literally I I would I would I would bet to say that you could probably make it from Germany to the Ukraine, I would say no more than probably fifteen hours. I would say at most, probably. You know, so this isn't something that they can say, Oh, that's over there, we're not gonna worry about it. You know, we're not I don't think America has a much of concern because oh that's and again World War One World War Two mindset that we had we have enough issues here at home we don't need to worry that's a European problem let that take care of itself but you you cannot from a historical point of view you cannot take that mentality because if you do I mean bad things are going to happen. I know I'm going to sound like a Star Wars, but there was a line from there was a line from from Episode One when they said, you know, and they when you had these, you know, these the droids were coming down there attacking, and then these guys, the the whatever those undersea creatures were that Jar Jar Binks was, he's like, they're like, well, this that's that's a land thing, that's not a sea thing, and 
they said, well, we live in a symbiote circle and it's the same thing today. You know, what happens to you may not occur, may not influence me or affect me right now, but somewhere down the line, it's going to, it is going to come back to us. I mean, mm. what, and I mean, Travis, you're, you're already talking about, you know, the market taking a tank today, you know, that's just step one. I mean, we are so globally interdependent now that, you know, some, you know, somebody on the other side may be sneezing, but eventually we're, we're going to catch a cold here eventually, you know, that's how, that's how it's, how it's going to spread around. Well, that's what happened in World War II. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, <laughs> but uh, so, and again, th- another question I have for you guys, we already kind of know or at least what we've been told, what we've seen is that Russia and China seem to have had communication. It seems like they have shared interest with one another, allegedly. Now, this begs the question of, there's another superpower that people, you know, seem to keep forgetting about, and and that's nations like India and, and their involvement. We already know how they're on ice thin ice with China and how those relations have been. So we look at China and, and this, again, it kind of just goes down to like money talks, bullshit walks where I look at like just geographically where that is. And and our war has been with the Islamic state for forever um, essentially now in China where they have Muslim concentration camps, you know, how does it in turn, if let's say we, we hit that World War III kind of level of where we're, we're starting to see, do we see the Islamic State teaming with Russia and China? Or how, how do you think, Travis, where do you think some of these puzzle pieces fall in now that we're kind of like pulling up the fantasy draft board, who, who's kind of going where? The Islamic state is. They're, they're the one that I can't really decide because of like with our history with them, but in the same token, like how much of the blind eye is like, you are very clearly not welcomed in Russia or China. No, but that's, that's very clear. But, 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 but follow the chain though, though, Sean, where, yeah. where where did the Islamic State get? You, you know where the Islamic State got their start at? Syria. Mm-hmm. They got their start in Syria. Who is Syria in bed with? Russia. Okay, and you know, I I I, I can I can honestly say I can honestly say that I think that where this is leading. I mean, if I say I, the Islamic State's going to like. Travis said they're going to follow the money, you know, and I I completely agree is they'll follow the money. Yeah. It's well, and then it's again, what people don't understand. And again, the only reason why, at least for me, why I go, well, this is quote unquote an issue and, and why some people, if you don't understand exactly why this is an issue is let's just say if there is conflict in which NATO forces get involved in warfare, actual combat with russia there will be sides taken like we've just talked about the islamic state which again if there comes fighting we've already seen just a few months ago how hot it was between israel and palestine 
let that heat up even more and give them a reason with resources coming in from one side or the next side. You already have Australia, who's created a bunch of sanctions on China and who's having issues, issues over there. You already have India and China who are on thin ice. The question is, now that where we are at in the world with technology, is it I, – I, I just – it makes me think because we all we all kind of know war is is bad, war is not necessarily good, but I think people knew that back in 1945 as well. So when we talk like, oh, people aren't going to be you know marching in boots and you know taking over streets, it's because like what we have iPhones now is you, is is people think that that's what stops. Because look at a lot of those nations. Like there's a reason why, and again, the United States has a rel a well-regulated militia in the national guards that each state has but in the same token now that russia is claiming independence for all these old former russian states it's like okay well when are they going to want alaska back and is that a move that they would like to take and then you know with russia being connected to canada you have a lot of these european nations you have nations like australia how well regulated would their militia be if china was to invade a nation where citizens aren't well armed it's it's little things like that that kind of make me you know really kind of second guess like when we at least like from what i've seen people don't really fear the fear of like ah they're not going to invade the streets because you know what they're they're they're, they're we're going to cancel the nation for taking over because now that we have cell phone footage of how shitty people are going to be no i Again, nuclear warfare isn't the first thing that I turn to. Like, it's just just because I think that people really, I mean, hopefully nations have an understanding of what the long-term ramifications are of nuclear warfare. But could we potentially see Russian or Chinese soldiers marching, you know, and, and taking over nations like Poland, taking over nations you know, across Europe and, and even in, you know, places that, you know, didn't fall during World War II, but could potentially. Let, I, let I, me, let me make a quote to you. And I don't have, I wish I had now that you just, what you just said just reminded me. There was a book that was written on the history of World War One that was called The Guns of August. And The Guns of August talked about what it looked at was Everybody believed that they were so in tune with everybody's moves. And this was, again, in 1917. They believed that they were so in tune with everybody else's moves that they knew without consulting, well, this is the move, we're going to make this move, and surely they won't elevate it to this, and surely they won't elevate it to that. And then, you know, and then you fast forward and, I, and I'm also reminded of what happened during the Cuba Missile Crisis. We were sitting there, and Cuba Missile Crisis is in my top 10 things of historical events that I love to study. When you look at the Cuba Missile Crisis, and we, we assumed, you know, we, we, Russia denied, well, we're not putting missiles into Cuba. Well, then we had satellite. Well, they are putting missiles into Cuba. Now we're going to do, okay, we're going to make our stand. You're not going to put missiles in Cuba. Well, then you need to pull your missiles out of Turkey. Well, we're going to attack on Berlin. Well, we're going to do that. And I think right now, and this isn't helped by the news cycle, but 
what you're seeing happen is everybody's making these bold predictions. And when you toss out the term nuclear war, that cannot be, and this is from a child of the cold. I came in on the very tail end of the cold war, but as kids growing up, we were taught to fear nuclear war. And we were taught that 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 is the because it's not like one person just going to launch a nuclear weapon and then that's it, right? Because it's it's going to be a domino effect. When you look at the what is it eight or nine nations in the world that have nuclear weapons, I mean, and the research has shown that there is enough nuclear capabilities to blow up the world six times over. And it may have, now that, that number may have increased that, that number, but I remember doing a, a paper in college. And at that time, that was 1996. We had enough nuclear weapons at that time to detonate the world six times over. And it's not going to be just, like I said, it's not going to be just one guy launching a, a weapon. It's going, I mean, they launched theirs. The purpose of, and there's a term that came out of the Cold War, it was called MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction. It was kind of like saying, okay, you're going to kill us, we'll kill you back. There's no, there's no, there's no winners. And it really frightened me when Vladimir Putin, who's a Cold War throwover, KG, former KGB spy agent, and he tosses out, you know, well, we have a, we have a superior nuclear uh, powers than you guys do. Okay, do you want a cookie? Because that's not going to solve anything. You don't want to. You don't want to go there. That is not an envelope that you want to push. But to me, if he if he he's already he's already drawing, and again, Travis, World War Two, he's already drawing ultimatums. He's already drawn this line. When you throw that nuclear weapon talk out there, you're throwing that out there, and that is a dangerous, dangerous thing to put out there. No, it really is. It's it's not a uh, when you're dealing with ultimatums like this. It's there can't be good outcomes. I mean, you look through it throughout history; it it shows that time and time again, and. I don't know what happens. I, I, I hope <laughs> I hope that politics prevail and we can come to some type of agreement where, you know, they do that summit and they talk whatever it is that they talk about and there is no war. But after reading the news today, I, I think we're going down. A, I think we're going to have Slipper a snowball slope. effect. Yeah. None of and us. I think we need a real... I think despite everything in Ukraine, we need to pay attention to the Pacific. We need to see what China does with Taiwan. If China invades Taiwan in like a, I would say this year, or maybe early next year, I think undoubtedly the writing is on the wall. It's just. we, And think about this. We haven't, and I'm 47 the Vietnam War ended uh, shortly before I was born. And none of us have seen, I mean, we've, we've seen the Iraq, I saw the Iraq War, but that was, to me, 
I never, I never had a fear about the Iraq war, Desert Storm. I never had a fear about it because it was televised. We were, we were dropping bombs. We had smart weapons. Saddam Hussein was a buffoon who thought he was something and he was nothing. And we made him look like a clown. We've, we have never seen in our lifetime, this is, and I can only imagine, you know, if I could get my dad not to talk 5,000 for 5,000 minutes in a row, I'd have him on the show. But I mean, you know, as he was a child who grew up in, you know, he was born in 34. So, I mean, he was, so that would have made him seven years old when the Japs bombed Pearl Harbor. I mean, we've never witnessed in our lifetime a superpower like this throwing their weight around. And none of these guys, even the old politicians in the room, even Joe Biden was a young sprout in World War II. You know, so there is, and and this is something that we, I think they have to really look at. There is no wise old man in the room because our, our World War I generals are gone. They're dirt. You know, they're, they're not going to, you're not going to have MacArthur rise from the grave and say, here, here's how we would, or Eisenhower or, or Patton or any of those guys say, well, this is how we dealt with it. None, I mean, you have very few World War II veterans left who were just basically grunt soldiers, you know. And it's sad to say that, but I mean, there is no wise old man in the room. Even you can't even you can't even use Cold War tactics because I and I still think that Putin is I think I still think Putin is hell bent on revenge. I said this in a previous podcast. I think Putin is hell bent on revenge because, like what you guys said earlier, they lost that territory in 1991 when the Soviet Union fell and they won it back. I think uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, it's. I, I definitely think this is a chance for them to, like you said, reclaim what was theirs. I mean, I, I know we said it a million times, but it really is. History repeats itself. This is like exactly World War II playing itself all over again. I hate to repeat it, but it, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's eye-opening. And here's here's what I'll say. If and maybe this is just me saying this, but I think other people should consider it too. Or, and talk to Sean about this. If China decides to invade Taiwan, like I anticipated, I will be back in the military. I'll go back because it's inevitable at that point. You can either wait to be drafted or you can sign up. Mm-hmm. You can call me a doomsdayist. You can call me whatever. That's just how I see it. Um, talk to your local recruiter. You got Sean right here. You can join the Missouri National Guard. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I don't see this ending good unless we really take a stand against it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll boil down to having firm leadership, uh, comp, you know, uh, leadership that is uh, capable of being able to, you know, go into the room and, and actually sit down. I don't necessarily think that Donald Trump was that person either. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, I think that Donald Trump at least would have showed up, um, you know, and that's the difference is, is, it's scary, regardless of how you feel about him, even if you like the man and, um, you know, his policies are, are fine. Joe Biden is not the person 
that I think needs to be in a room with these, with an individual like Vladimir Putin to try to come to a peaceful agreements. A, you can, watching him speak, you could tell Vladimir Putin has zero ounce of respect for our president currently. And that is why I think this is such an issue right now and why we're seeing this rampant uptake in these kind of movements. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that, you know, in a perfect world, I'd like to hope that we're not potentially looking down uh, something as crazy as World War III, or I'm hoping this is more like a Cold War II situation where we're just having a pissing contest with one another. And, and I'm, you know, as, as on edge as it is to be, at least you're just on edge and you're not, you know, thrust in the shit. So mm-hmm. hopefully that's kind of where it, it, it sits. But Travis, like you, again, I, I, I look at this and, you know, from a lesson that I, I had in your class, V, was look at the start of World War One with the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. It wasn't like that was the, the, the heaviest piece to fall, but it started a trickle effect that led to there was World so, War One, Right, and I, I was watching, uh, I was actually surprised. I was actually watching, you mentioned World War I. I watched, I finally got around to watching The King's Man yesterday. I watched that, I, I watched that Saturday night. And the, the first Great part, movie. The, you know, movie. the first part of that movie is pretty well dead on. I, I mean, how they, I mean, how Gravalio, I mean, how they, he took the wrong, how uh, Archduke Francis Ferdinand took the wrong turn. They got on a dead end street and they bat, and that's when Gravalio Princip, you know, popped him. But mm-hmm. uh, no, you know, when you look at how there, there are so many, and we've discussed pretty much every. I think we've we've done a good job tonight about talking about every aspect and every level of this from top to bottom, and sorry for those who saw what we were talking about tonight. We ch- things changed since eight o'clock this morning. So yes, but uh, you know this is the discussion that I wanted us to have. I think you know, and as always, folks, please you know let us know where you're at. We'll probably post. I will probably post a survey either tonight or tomorrow morning, and we'll get your guys' input on this throughout the week. And like we said, again, comment on our on our Voice of Reason comment line, 636-344-8097. Um, and we'll, you know, if you want us to, we can use your comments the next time we, next week when we're on the air, and we will, you know, post those comments if you want us to. And if not, you want to just say your piece, and then we'll, we'll quote them back later on. Um, but definitely, you know, this has been a, a discussion that needed to happen, and I'm glad that we had it. Can I add? I know we're trying to end the show, but I just I want to add one more point. Sure. If you, when you listen to let's let's compare leadership, because Sean made it was talking about how he doesn't believe, and I don't believe that Biden really is the leader for this job that we're facing right now. Putin is an animal that I don't think the U.S has any idea how we're going to solve this just watch the man speak like what go to youtube and watch him give a press conference watch on, him do like on anything in public yeah on he anything is articulate he is intelligent he is to the point he does not dodge questions and he speaks with intent that is scary 
Mm-hmm. We have a, our leader, the leader of the free world, reads a teleprompter barely. Mm-hmm. That's just what I want to. That's just mm-hmm. what I want to end on. Mm-hmm. This is Belie- regardless of what people think about his policy, how he did as a president. I'm. I have missed. I have missed President Obama for yeah. a very long, long time. When it when it came to hearing an individual speak, whether or not you liked what came out of his mouth, I could listen to him talk for days. And then, especially having four years of Trump, and now four year or you know then the next you year know, year of year Biden. Of, yes, the year of Biden. God, it's felt long. It's felt long. And it's it's said. definitely um, I miss that kind of leadership. Yeah. Of of just having someone that can and be in the room and command the room in the way and that that President Obama did when he when he would speak. So. Yeah. But yes, um, you know Napoleon wasn't wasn't very tall, but he had a loud voice. Um, Hitler was a you know malnourished twat who spoke well um these kind of things and now you have a former kgb agent who's probably slit more throats throats that he could care to count who now has a voice and has power so um interesting times are ahead however um as the the times do get interesting so does our show so please make sure that you guys check it out, whether it's uh, live right here on Facebook, if you're listening with us, if you're listening to us during your morning wank or car drive on Spotify, we also appreciate that as well. Uh, make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean. We are on Twitch, uh, Twitch TV, Voice of Reason Podcast 2021. We're also on YouTube, Voice of Reason Podcast 2021. Anywhere where you get your Video viewing, we're on Google Podcast. Your podcast uh, listening needs, we are there. Um, we should hopefully be, we are in the process of getting on Pandora pretty soon as well. Um, we are on iHeartRadio. Uh, make sure you guys just got to do a quick search. Voice of Reason Podcast 2021. If you have an Alexa, make sure you ask her, hey, Alexa, play Voice of Reason Podcast 2021, and uh, she'll get it spitting for you. She's listening in, and um, <laughs> she's she's always listening, probably uh, getting ready you know, to cancel Patreon us. acting it up in your uh, in your <laughs> in your home um but she also provides great content so again this episode of the voice of reason podcast is brought to you by van beber and sons the best dj services for your midwest wedding uh bar mitzvah recircumcision whatever you've got going on <laughs> van beber and sons is there for wow. you yeah make sure you mention the voice of reason podcast if you check out their page for 10 percent off i do believe yes of your dj services yep. also make sure you check out american traditional coffee.com there's a bunch of great new products um has the has our our special line been launched yet travis are we still waiting on that to drop we're we're still waiting on it. Um, still in limbo. I, so we'll I will say that. discount code coming soon for all our listeners. Perfect. Yep. Next week we'll have a discount code for American Traditional Coffee. We now have K cups in stock. So if you are an individual that uses a Keurig or um, any any kind of coffee uh, device that you use K cup for, we we've got it available. Um, all kinds of great different new flavors. We now have decaf coffee. If you're a decaf coffee drinker, it is live on AmericanTraditionalCoffee.com. Uh, discount code coming soon. 
Again, thank you all so much for listening to us. If you would l like to leave a comment um, that we can either play live on our show next week or we can read off whatever you had to say, make sure you reach out to our comment line. It is the Voice of Reason comment line at 636-344-8097. Please feel free to shoot us a message right here on Facebook, the Voice of Reason podcast 2021 homepage, and we will love to talk about whatever you guys have. Before we sign out of here, and I'm sure that the week is going to be crazy, I know that next week we hopefully will have some time to talk about a couple different situations that we've been talking about um, on our between the three of us, including the Blackstone Labs steroid scandal. Uh, we'll hopefully dive a little bit into the Canadian convoy that we're seeing and any updates that we get with the Ukraine as well. We will definitely be talking about as those things change. Before we sign out of here, gentlemen, is there anything that you guys would like to add before we say goodbye to our friends? Have a great week and please share. Yep. Have a great week, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you. Um, if you guys have ideas, I know we made some changes to the show. If you have ideas, uh, we value your feedback and uh, we listen. Um, we want to make the show uh, better as much as possible and make it a better experience for you, the listener. So yeah, ideas, throw them our way. Um, and thank you guys yep. again. We'll see you all awesome. next week. See you next week.